This is Red Pill Tamales, and we have freedom of speech thanks to our patrons. Y'all know how big tech be trying to shut people down. It's one week you can't say certain things, you can't ask certain questions. If you want to join, hit us up, patreon.com forward slash Red Pill Tamales. Now is the time to speak up and keep an open mind because we're seeing so many things. We're seeing men allowed in the women's locker rooms. We're seeing like boy biological boys competing against women. You got this polarizing, politicized mask debate where track students have to run with a mask. Uh, schools being shut down. Churches, they want to sh shut down churches. Taxes going up. Gas price going up. What is what? What the hell is happening? We need lions like you, members of the TIA, the Tamal Intelligence Agency, and we need to grow the movement. Rob, tell them what good content we got coming. Every Wednesday, there's a public episode of RPT. You get an exclusive one on Fridays. You get Chingo Chats on Mondays, and in the future, we're working on programming for also Tuesdays and Thursdays, so you have all week TIA exclusives if you join the Patreon. And be warned, people will call you kooky, crazy, sellout, conspiracy theorists, but all we want is objectivity, and we're just trying to get to the truth, y'all. We're trying to figure out what is what so that we can conduct our, our lives and our businesses, and we can get back to normal and raise our families. Por favor, believe it. It is an honorable thing to be a member of the TIA. Sas. All right, so check it out, yo. If you're like us and you want to get more books read, but can't always find the damn time to sit your ass down and read an actual book, then try Audible. We partner with Audible to give you, members of the TIA, the TIA, and all our podcast listeners, a free book is yours to keep forever and a 30-day trial of their Audible Premium Plus package. No contract. You can cancel anytime, and they'll give you a reminder when your trial is about to end. Here's all you got to do. A couple steps. Click the link in the show notes below, or just go to audibletrial.com forward slash tamales. Click on Audible Premium Plus, put your info, browse what book you want, and get your free book. Uh, let us know what you got, why'd you, why'd you get that book, and what'd you think about it. We'll talk about it on the show. Sass. Right now, I want you to get ready for the Masa Messiah, the Tamale Kingpin. You know where I'm going with right. this? El Rey del Foreplay. I'm, al hey, I'm already not comfortable. The Versace Mariachi. What? All the way from Houston, Texas. Chingo Bling. Do we lose Chef? Oh, damn. I think we did. <laughs> Maybe he hung up. Yeah. But you know what? We were wrapping up anyway. We were. Um, he might call back. He may not. But, um, man, I learned a lot. Uh, I think it's amazing what they're doing with 86struggle.com. So much giving back and pushing back to, to the, the, you know, the government, man, because it's becoming a corporatocracy. This is all the kind of stuff that we've been talking about on Red Pill Tamales, like, We've been pretty vocal about being anti-shutdown, anti-lockdown. Yeah. And we understand that, you know, when it comes to science and, and viruses, we want to keep people safe. But you also have to factor in the economy and things of that nature. Yeah. And we were going to keep going, too, to do an intro for Chef. I don't know if... He, I'm, I shot him a message right now. Yeah, I'm, if, I'm down to do an intro. Yeah, mm -hmm. to see if he uh, sees it and, and, and jumps back off. But either way, go ahead. Yeah, and I'm amazed that folks in California... Are, are victims of the propaganda this bad like I, I really cannot understand how people can think that governor newsom is doing a good job i can't wrap my brain around it maybe because i'm an outsider looking in right uh maybe because i'm already biased and not crazy about the a lot of these democrat politicians and, and their shutdowns yeah when he when he says that you know people won't vote they'll vote they voted for the recall, but they won't vote to recall him is I don't understand it. And it's one of those things where it makes me really want to slow down the conversation in my head and wrap my mind around why these people that voted for him and are hardcore Democrats still aren't willing to vote for somebody with an R next to their name, despite the last 18 months. Would he would he possibly be running against another Democrat? I mean, are Democrats allowed to contest him? I I think they are, but I don't think he meant any of the people he mentioned were Democrats. Mm. So it's either he stays in office by not enough people voting to recall him or mm. someone else. So I think that's how it works. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be another Democrat. It's going to be somebody, a Republican taking over or he stays in office. Very interesting, man. Um, I, I want to talk to some of my friends from Cali, but, uh, you know, they, they're probably just artists and they don't really get too involved with what the hell's going on. Yeah. But 
if you've if you've suffered like if your business or your job if you're a stand-up comedian comedy clubs are closed Mm -hmm. you know if you're in hell if you're an agent in hollywood if you're a manager i mean everybody took a hit across the board but especially california because it seemed like their lockdowns are more stringent who do you blame for that newsom uh why does newsom do why does newsom why did he do the things that he did you know, we, we're not mind readers, but no. maybe he just likes to to do things based on, like, this is how the party rolls. Maybe it's his mother-in-law, Nancy Pelosi, or his tia. <laughs> his tia. His tia Nancy giving him some game, telling him what to do. But to me, it just seems like they're, they're weaponizing all these departments of the government to go after people. And, and like Chef said, you know, they're going to play nice with the big corporations of Silicon Valley and Amazon and all that. Oh, it's so funny. Chef said, shit, sorry, my computer died. His battery okay. went out. So it's all good. It's all good. Tell him, no worries. We, we were done anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're, 86struggle.com, that yeah. was the website, Yeah, right? and I'll have those in the in the show notes. In the meantime, where are you going to be? You're going to be on the road again yeah. soon. Yeah, should we put that in the intro? I'll say it now. Well, this will be in the intro. Once it cuts off, this will be at the beginning now. Okay, bet. Uh, Freedom of Speech Tour. I am on the road, man. Uh, this weekend, brother, this weekend, Corpus Christi, Texas, Mesquite Street Comedy Club is downtown. We're there May 21st through the 22nd. And then we hit beautiful Ontario, California, July 14th, Oxnard, California, July 15th, Irvine, California, August 11th, San Jose, California, August 18th. That's a lot of Cali Hell love. Yeah. California. Mm. Then we hit Denver, Colorado, August 27th through the 29th. Back to the West Coast, Brea, California, September 15th. You know what I'm saying? All my Mexicanos, where yet? <laughs> H-Town, Texas, September 23rd through the 26th. Addison, all my Dallas, Fort Worth people come through Addison, Texas, October 7th through the 10th. San Antonio, October 14th through the 16th. And we got a phone call yesterday, man. We might be adding Waco, Midland, maybe going back to San Angelo. Um, Shout out Hippodrome. Like, yeah, I don't know if we're gonna go there. Oh. but uh, but we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Um, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Looking forward to getting back to work. Um, you know, if not, I'm gonna have to open up this food truck. My next question for a chef was gonna be, when you deep fry tamales, what kind of oil you Dude, use? <laughs> that's a good question. We're gonna have to do it again. And again, he was very apologetic. But um, so this is already the intro. Once we cut off, we're yeah. cutting this into the beginning. Uh, a tamale or a tamal and lobster truck cart thing yeah bruh well he said he started um fish tacos and lobster rolls uh, a food truck okay that's what he started with it was uh fish tacos yeah you ever had fish tacos yeah yeah i'm I'm thinking of one particular truck that's like really really popular for lobster rolls it's a truck that started on the east coast as well Mm, um lobsters main 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 lobsters you know what I'm talking about? They were on, they they came out of Shark Tank actually. They blew up after that. It's like Maine lobsters, fucking lobster rolls. I can't remember. Interesting, yeah. interesting that they would have a lobster roll truck on Shark Tank. Yeah, interesting. I've never seen nothing like that. It's always like a crazy invention. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, have you? Do you follow him on Twitter? Chef and Instagram and all that. I follow him on Instagram. I don't hey use man, Twitter as much. Hey man, these pictures, bro. These cheeseburgers. Oh yeah, yeah. These lobster rolls. It's all like ooey gooey. Mm-hmm. Um, because he comes from, you know, the, uh, he spent some time working at like a Ritz-Carlton and like really upper di- like dining class restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when he moved to, to Cali and he's been there for so long, opened all these restaurants, he's like trying to, his mission has been to fuse fine dining and messy sandwiches is yeah. the way he put it. Yeah. And finding that niche in between high end and Long John Silver. Long John Silver. Yeah. Um, also part of his background is um, when he was, I guess, going to school in Maine or living in Maine, he got this gig where they were trying to hire, you know, knowledgeable chefs mm-hmm. to help promote something about the seafood. So he he had to learn. He, he got to learn a lot about um, just the entire supply chain. So he was out there with the lobster uh, fishermen or whatever they call those lobster people, um, <laughs> you know, basically involved from from the ground up, if, from the ocean up, if you will. Cousins. It's called Cousins Main Lobster. Okay. It's the name of the truck. I see one in down I used to see one in downtown Houston. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, man. Um, you know, what kind of fish you, you're supposed to use in a fish taco and, and all that. Very very fascinating, man. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, for real. Just talking about this. Cause uh, I was trying to do uh what do you call it? intermittent? Intermittent. Oh, I was trying why? to I was trying to wait till noon okay. to eat. And I made oh. it to, I made it to eleven AM. It's bro. pretty good. So when did you stop eating last night? 
Uh, you know what? I'm starting today. Ah. Last night don't count. So I really don't remember. I think I had like yogurt or something like 10.30. Kind of late. That's a little yeah. bit too late for all you intermittent people. Yeah, because a lot of it is like, I think 16 and 8 is like the, the like window. Like an 8-hour window to eat, right? Yes, in a 16-hour fast. Yeah. So if I was... So if I had made it to noon today, mm. I would have had to have had my last meal at 8 p.m. Right. And that I, I don't ever stop eating by 8. Mm. I'm always still eating way after that. So we shall see because I'm about to have a six-pack. You heard me? It's a chingo chat conversation right there. Yeah. We'll further into that. Absolutely. So it, I'm really excited. Rob, uh, thank you for reaching out to Chef. Shout out to Chef for um, coming through and being on the show. Um, just it's almost like, man, this man is a national treasure because... He's like really good, like really smart at being able to communicate the things uh, of these these business, what's going on mm -hmm. during these shutdowns. It's almost like it's almost like this was a storm, right? And we needed someone like him. And yeah. I'm glad he stepped up because who else? So, you know, somebody else might have like a poli sci degree and they could talk about economics and shit like that. But this dude employs people. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of people. He employs people. He he had you know he's in the food industry, and thankfully called out, did a rant, went viral. Even though he was already like on the Food Channel and all that, the Food Network. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like the perfect storm. Someone yeah, who, we needed somebody to part the Red Sea, and he with that hair and the looks and the beard, he kind of looks a little Jesusy. You know, <laughs> hey, just saying, just, just putting saying, it out there, just putting you know? it out there, just putting it out there. He brought the people together through food. You know, it's 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 a good message. Uh, entrepreneurs can learn a lot from him. People that want to learn about politics could learn something from him. So I think he he used his platform in the best way possible. Even though he was trying to stay apolitical for the longest time, when it hits your industry that hard, you got you got to take a stance. You're either just going to die and your business is going to go under, and generation generational wealth is out the window because it's never going to come back, or you do what he did. Yeah, generational wealth, bro. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because. That's one of those things that doesn't get mentioned enough. Um, people mention like, oh, it's the largest uh, shift of wealth. You know, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and this and that. But the fact that if your, if your restaurants or your businesses go out, you can't pass it on. Yeah, man. A and, lot of it was that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm 41. I told my 12-year-old this, uh, I think it was yesterday when I picked her up from school. I was basically saying, look, the reason I nag you about certain stuff and the reason i'm trying to tell you certain stuff is not for me i was like i'm 41 i done already lived a whole bunch and did a whole bunch and i'm setting my ways i was like but the stuff i preach to you is for you and your and your little sisters right one on the way um it's about like making sure y'all are set and y'all mm -hmm. are good and y'all are uh, have the right guidance and the right upbringing and, and skills and, and ways of thinking and so on so that you could do something you could have something and you can't be at the mercy of i guess i'm gonna try to marry a rich man i was like hell no that ain't that's not what i want for y'all so that generational wealth that i think we're gonna have to do a lot of um and i say we meaning like everyone that took somewhat of a hit because mm -hmm. of all this right we're gonna have some catch-up to do some makeup to do so that we could bounce back and it's going to be a minor obstacle, uh, a minor setback, but major comeback. That's right. And even if there wasn't a business in your family, let's just talk about the Latin co community in general. That conversation, like finance in general, isn't really talked about. So if there wasn't any gener generational wealth that you lost, maybe you can start at least with the conversation of that topic and then go from there. How can I build generational wealth for the people, that, for my kids or the people that I'm helping raise? Because if this ever happens again, you want to have some insight into how to prevent you from completely losing everything, right? Mm -hmm. And whether it's starting a business or learning a trade, I know we talk about that kind of ad nauseum, but it, it begs repeating because what well, we see what's going on in school, mm. it makes you less and less inclined to want to send your, your kids to a school. I don't know how a prep school like yours would be doing in this time. Um, they're probably teaching critical race theory over there too. And that's the kind of thing that it's not a popular thing or it's not a, yeah, it's not a popular thing to tell your kids like, hey, learn XYZ trade. But if you at, can at least do that in conjunction with going to school and getting a higher education for whatever fucking, you know, philosophical type mm -hmm. of degree you want to get, uh, it's going to be good because you can always learn something and build upon that skill set and always be in demand. Useful skills. Yeah. So, for example, I was telling my daughter, my 12-year-old yesterday, I was like, hey, I want you to be able to 
know how to do something. I was like, I don't give a damn if it's like, well, I know how to do nails. I know how to do hair. Right. I know how to do X. I know how to do Y. I know how to do Z. I said, so that you have skills that you're able to go do something. I was like, am I a welder or a plumber or a carpenter, or electrician? You know, did they have trades and shit in my school? No, but I wish I did know. You know, I didn't go to culinary school. Wish I did. Maybe it ain't too late. I could be the, the old man in class. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's a lot to be said about useful skills, having a trade. That's 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 instant money versus, you know, all my little nephews and nieces. You know, they all went to like U of H stuff like that. But it's like they're not really using that. Like my nephew Andrew, he went to U of H. I mean, he started his barbecue business, but that's that's his hustle. That ain't got shit to do with. I guess maybe he could apply some of the stuff he learned and then he's learning plumbing on the side. He's going to be good no matter what. And that, and that ain't got shit to do with U of H. Yeah. You see me? Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, my niece, Brianna, she just graduated from U of H as well. Marketing degree. And I'm like, Oh, that's what I got. It's <laughs> not very useful. Yeah. But I'm, you know, she's a hustler. She'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the yeah. hustles is a good conversation to have maybe now or another episode that, no matter what you do, it's still, and this goes for Americans across the board, people across the board, you want to have at least a hustler too. You want multiple streams of income, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a really good job that you love, that's great. At least have some kind of hustle that you enjoy doing as well that helps you with the creative side, it helps you with your entrepreneurial side so that it also brings in income and you just, you have more of a cushion. Like it gets more and more, like our parents could have had just one household income and be all right, right? Our grandparents, also now it's almost impossible to not have some sort of dual income uh, household and then even if you have a dual income household not have one if not both people having a side hustle as well that's helping generate more revenue everything's getting more expensive chef kind of hit on it a little bit inflation is going to be fucking crazy prices are going to go up and if you're only relying on one job it's going to be really tough and if you look at things from like a military attack type of perspective if you put that filter on it you know, when when you're attacking a country, an entity, you want them to have you you want to erode their borders, you want to disrupt their supply chains. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I'm not saying we're under attack, but arguably, yeah. You know, there's some symptoms there um, that we're up against. You know, inflation is one, and the last thing you want is this. The last thing you want is gas prices go up, which they're already doing. Food prices starting to go up due to, you know, inflation and other supply chain. And, and even the gas going up might affect the food price. Of course. Right? It costs more to get it to the store. Exactly. Now, if the power of the dollar starts to go down which in conjunction, it, which it is, mm-hmm. in conjunction with everything costing more. Now what? Yeah, and this is a good time actually to reach back out to Chris Irons because he talked a lot about this in the middle of the podcast and he gave us the resources where you could see the data of how prices of bread, milk, and that kind of thing are going up or, or how it's changing. And when it changes, which he said alluded to, this was three or four months ago, it will happen. Um, he could probably further give us insight on that. But like cars, for instance, people are willing to pay right now, you know, and this would only have to be in case of an absolute emergency that you would do this, but they're willing to pay five grand, five to eight grand over MSRP. No one pays MSRP for a car as it is. Even if you're paying four or five under MSRP, some people still wouldn't find that a good deal. But people, they said over a third of people are willing to pay that much. Because they want a new car and dealerships aren't getting enough cars because manufacturing was so slow. And that's why the prices of used cars right now have gone up. So Mm. if you're looking to sell your car, the value of your used car has probably gone up significantly. And it'll it'll plateau after a while, but it could be six months, could be another year before you see the used market go down and you see the MSRP of new cars also stable out. So if you're in the market for a car, it's going to be expensive either way. If you're getting a used car or if you're getting a new car especially, it's going to be really, really hard to justify the price. You got to factor in that gas and that maintenance. Yeah, for so sure. So the American public is getting squeezed from every hard. side. And depending on what state you live in, you might be getting squeezed more than others. Um you know, this is all unfortunate realities. But once again, America is the baddest bitch. This is the last frontier. This is the only country where you can have these kind of freedoms. And back in the day, people would be like, if stuff ever gets bad here, I'm going to go to Mexico. <laughs> if stuff ever goes bad here, I'm going to go to Canada. Well, guess what? Mexico's a failed state. The government is the cartel. The cartel is the government. Canada is China. <laughs> 
<laughs> Basically, Yo. what happened? Uh, did you see? Shout out Gabe. <laughs> God damn it, Gabe gets so many shout outs, but he sends good shit. He sent me this thing. Puro which, hermoso tamalitas. Yeah, bro. So uh, there was a. I don't even know if I want to say the name of the person, but it was a, a alleged leader of the cartel that was mm. caught in Tamaulipas, was arrested, in, or from Reynosa, Tamaulipas, was arrested in Matamoros on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking big level person. Wait, which cartel? Um, the alleged leader of the cartel, the Golfo, okay, CDG, yeah. in yeah. Reynosa. Wild. So the government went and caught him? The Mexican government caught him? Her. Oh, her. Her, yeah. And, and another gentleman as well. There's video of it. I'll hmm. send it to you. It's pretty, I, pretty I, nuts. I wonder if that had anything to do with uh, the, the Jalisco cartel being so big right now. Mm. And, and maybe saying, hey, government, you might want to go get the leader of the Gulf cartel. Oh, interesting. You know, that's just me with my... You know, I got street knowledge, man. I'll be having inside... You know, I'm, I'm still connected to the streets, Rob, even though I'm 41 and I, I podcast. <laughs> Dude, you do have your ear to the ground at all times. Yeah, man. I mean, you got a snack box coming out. Yeah, it's out. It's out. Oh, and it's it, out. That's right. It's almost sold out. There's only a handful. It's probably going to be sold out by the end of the day. Thank goodness. Um, the cool thing about it is that was really, this is what really excites me about it, is that we're able to work with vendors, right? These are like local small business, mm-hmm. American-made products, whether it's Joey from Victoria and his and his jerk, beef jerky company. Uh, you got Primo's Michelada Mix, which uh, we first met at the Michelada contest. Oh, they won, right? They yeah. won the winners. Exactly, yeah. So they they participated in the snack box. Um, a variety, a variety of uh, products. And, and, you know, these are hustlers. These are people that are getting it out the mud. They're like, hey, whatever's going on with the economy, we're going to figure something out. So I'm honored to be a part of it. And I, I'm already thinking about the next one. Um, what other angle? Is it going to be less snacks and more something else? You know, but um, but yeah, it was an experiment. Uh, shout out to my boy, Frank. He came up with the whole idea. He's like, man, we're going to make cereal, this and that. I was like, dude, I don't know how you're going to do it, but OK, good luck. <laughs> and um, and people liked it. You know, it comes with a copy of my album. Uh, it, it's in there. I'm not going to tell you if it's inside the cereal box or not. Because I might have given away the surprise. But um, a lot of cool stuff in there, man. So shout out to everybody that purchased theirs. Um, it's very limited. Only 100 made. And it's at snackbox.club. Uh, before we wrap up the episode, and we'll save this for the Patreon exclusive on Friday. Have you heard what's going on with Tony Hinchcliffe out during that Austin show the other day? What happened? Okay. Yeah, so you haven't heard, you haven't no, read the articles? All. Or video? all right, so we'll probably that'll that'll tease for the people that aren't part of the Patreon. We can talk about comedy, writing, people getting offended that are comics, people making a big deal out of something to where Hinchcliffe, you know, lost his WME agent, he's losing shows. Oh, I can't wait to hear what, yeah, what happened. I'd love to take your take on it. Uh, Schultz had a in, in Akash and um, Luis Gomez had an interesting take on it, it was cool, anyway. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. And shout out to the patrons, man. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Red Pill Tamales, the Tamal Intelligence Agency. Um, make sure you guys spread the word. It's growing tremendously. Uh, very happy with how the Patreon is growing organically. It's a community. And and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with uh, Chef Gruel. And, and more to come. More <laughs> Let's to try come. that again. Let's try that again. One more time. Maybe because I'm getting hungry. I think so, yeah. You're like, man, that food sounds real good. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, enjoy the episode. Uh, he gave us, uh, you know, almost 45 minutes of his time, 40 minutes of his time before his laptop battery died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's up to do it again whenever, and hopefully we can do it in person next time. Yeah, Chef Gruel, um, when he first came on my radar, I was like, damn, it'd be super dope to get him on the podcast. Thankfully, Rob made it happen. Yeah. You know, Rob got connections to the streets. You know. And made it happen. So... Really, I was just trying to get a chef job for Don, you know, because she's a chef. Oh, yeah. that I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Dude, yeah. Talk about talent stack. Yeah, talk right. Talk about a variety of skills. Man, I wish I could do that. I, yeah. I, I need to learn something. But um, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, shout out to all the patrons. Uh, we have very special guests on Red Pill Tamales, Chef Andrew Gruel. Man, let's get right into it. We have a very special guest. Uh, some would say... Celebrity chef, some would say um, outspoken member of the community who has called out government overreach and uh, has gone viral. And uh, man, let's just dive in because I'll do your intro when we're done. Yeah, I'll have Rob give like the whole resume. Sure. But um, what part of Jersey are you from? 
I'm from uh, Somerset County, kind of by like New Brunswick. Okay. Um, fun fact. I went to a fancy pants prep school in New Jersey. Which one? Uh, Petty. I went to Pingree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's see? crazy. You see, Rob? I know, Pe- I know Petty really well. We used to go down to Petty. I mean, for all sporting events, you name it. Yeah, good old uh, Petty Lake and all that. Um, yeah, man. So uh, I, I listened to a few interviews uh, you, you've done uh, with like Michael Berry and uh, Hotep Jesus and Red Pilled America. And um, so, yeah, man, it seems like 2020 really was a curveball. And, you know, when Newsom, when Newsom's hypocrisy hit the scene, uh, you took a chance and, and decided to... Uh, uh, make a statement. So uh, how, how are things currently, man, in California? What's the vibe? Things are still only at 50% capacity. Look, man, what this has done to the to the consumer psychology, to the mindset of consumers, especially in California, you know, I tell everybody, I'm like, California is not like the rest of the United States out here. I mean, it is gloom and doom and fear mongering and sensationalism. People are afraid to leave their homes. Um, you know, everybody's double masked outside at all times. So the effect that that has on the industry, it's, it crushes it. So and then when they just start to peel the layers back and they're like, oh, you know, you can open out 50 percent capacity, et cetera. People aren't going out. Yeah, I, I blame the mainstream media. I feel like people getting brain damage and uh, there's just psychological trauma. Um, I know you've spoken a lot about the tribalism that comes with politics and how people just, you know, you just watch CNN and this is what you believe. And uh, it's unfortunate because the psychology that you're talking about in terms of people not having that confidence, you know, to go out and spend, you know, what's going to happen? Man, what do you feel the ramifications, you know, economically? It's going to be years. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't just going to be an overnight fix because first and foremost, this is what I've been saying. The restaurant industry has been vilified as these, uh, you know, epicenters of spread through the entire pandemic. And then furthermore, restaurant owners, small business owners have been treated as these, you know, overlords, these wealthy landowners, if you will, mistreating the workers. And all we care about is profits over people when that's complete opposite. This, these are these are families, mothers, fathers, children, in our case, trying to just keep their business alive, not taking salaries, trying to make sure that their community is able to continue working. And we're pushing back against the unrealistic reg- regulations. And then we get vilified for that. So the effect that all of that has had on the consumer psychology is going to drive people away from going out to restaurants, especially in places like California, New Mexico, Michigan, New York, Uh, you know, Colorado, states where these lockdowns have become a way of life. And then when you look now at the effects of all this quantitative easing, printing trillions of dollars and putting it into the economy, you're seeing uh, inflation across the entire supply chain from the processor to the distributor to the workers through the supply chain to wage inflation. And then we're going to see that get distilled into the end user probably over the next three or four months. I wouldn't be surprised if we see prices on menus go up like 30 or 40% in the next three or four months. And that's going, that's going to have a long-term effect. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the Newsom recall is in full effect. Um, what's going on with that, man? What's the status? How, how are people feeling about it? Well, they're spinning it, right? So here in California, it's being spun as this crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist-driven recall, um, manipulation. Newsom's done an amazing job. He's being vilified just for being for for doing the right thing. And uh, and nobody w- would ever dare vote for anybody with an R next to their name. So I think what's going to happen is the recall has already been approved. So it's going to go to ballot. And the way it works in California is you get a ballot. And then the first question on the ballot is, do you vote to recall Newsom? If you answer yes, then you go to a page of candidates, alternates, right? Um, and right, you know, right now the leaders in that regard, of course, are like Caitlyn Jenner, Kevin Faulkner, who was the former mayor of San Diego, John Cox, who ran against Newsom a couple of years ago, wealthy businessman. Um, you got Major Williams, right? Who's who's you know a horse in the race. Heck, Chernovich's name is on the uh, is on the well. At least it was on the polls. I don't know if he's going to go on the ballot, but I don't even think the majority of people in California are going to vote for it to to vote yes on that first question, right? Because 
look, I talk to people in the industry all the time, people who have signed this recall effort, and they voted for Newsom. They're hardcore Democrats. And they said, yeah, I signed the recall effort to signal to him we're pissed, mm. but we're not going to actually vote him out. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you as the person that you've been battling this month after month, and you hear that from people in your industry, do you have an initial response to them or maybe after you talk to them behind closed doors? Well, yeah, but then, yeah, then it quickly parlays into just like a conversation about Republicans versus Democrats. There's really no libertarian effect here in California, funny enough. If you're socially liberal in the sense that like a libertarian is, then you have to identify with the Democrats or else you run out of California. It's just kind of like the rule, right? Um, It's not that way across the rest of the country. It seems like libertarians have the tendency to be folded into, you know, kind of the right or right or leaning because Democrats are so crazy that libertarians are like, we don't want anything to do with this. Not in California. It's a little bit of a different flavor. So when I talk to people, they're just like, well, you know, still we, the last thing we would ever want to do is vote for a Republican in California. They're going to overturn environmental protections. They're going to overturn all all the work that's being done for the homeless population. And then those talking parts start points start coming out. And when you look at what the talking points are, it's all propaganda. Right. Like it is 100 percent propaganda. Nobody actually understands the granular detail in how poorly run this state is. Mm. If you were to look at it or just from your opinion and again, going month after month of dealing with all this in the industry, in in the restaurant industry uh, specifically, can you justify anything that was done to keep you guys closed, you know, minimize the occupancy to, to what actually has transpired? Yeah, within the first two weeks. Right when everyone was really in this together and we were shut down, I was totally okay with that, right? The data wasn't out there. The science wasn't out there. All we saw was Chinese propaganda of people dying on the streets of Wuhan, which we all know, which came to find out wasn't true, right? Remember those videos that went viral of people just dropping Mm -hmm. on the streets? So everyone kind of was like, oh, shoot, what is this? This thing's on our shores now. So I think we were all good for a couple of weeks to be shut down. So long as the shutdown, the forced shutdown was subsidized by either the state or the federal government, which ultimately was supposed to be the case. Of course, that got convoluted by virtue of government intervention. But um, we were in it for those two weeks. But then, you know, it was like, wait a minute. You know, we're we're going to the same grocery store over and over again. We're seeing the same people working there. We're interacting with each other. We're not getting sick. You know, some people are. Yes, there's certain circumstances. And you start to see the patterns, right? The elderly, those with underlying conditions and these concrete data points started to take hold and become tethered in our in our everyday understanding of this virus within three to four weeks. Right. So it was okay. Well, why don't we ice? My thought process was, well, they're going to isolate the sick, isolate the risk and subsidize those people to stay home. But like the young people, people have already had it, the people who are immune by virtue of having already had it they should be able to get back into the into the workforce. They should be able to work, run the restaurants, work work in retail. Wasn't the case, obviously. Well, we're broadcasting live from Texafornia <laughs> beca- yeah. because, um, you know, we're getting a lot of new folks, you know, migrating over here, escaping the, the homelessness and the high taxes and the gas and, and the lockdowns. I mean, I'm amazed that for the longest time, California wasn't allowed to dine outside. That's amazing to me. And then we... I- s- uh-huh. Makes no sense. How, how long did that go on? Or is that still going on? That went on for months. And it makes comp- no sense at all. Because, and I said this, this was, was my rant. I go, watch what's going to happen. Within two weeks of shutting down outdoor dining, cases are going to skyrocket. Because it's going to drive people in from, from public settings, right? Safe public settings. We know that being outdoors is safe. It's going to drive them from pay, safe public settings with accountability, right? Because... Even people who are like anti-mask, if they're out in public and other people are wearing a mask, they're like, yeah, I'll wear the mask, you know. So when you're in a public setting, you're holding yourself to a different level of accountability that you are if you're having a backyard party or you're having a neighborhood jam or something along those lines, right? So I go, it's going to drive people into closed spaces, indoors, and cases are going to skyrocket. And it's exactly what happened. Cases skyrocketed. They shut down outdoor dining, crushed restaurants. It did nothing to the spread, made it worse, in my opinion. And then they just kept doubling down on that. It's insanity. Yeah, the ego kicks in and, um, you know, the tribal politics. And, 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 you know, some would some would speculate like, OK, there's there's this 
evil scheme because they're vilifying the restaurant industry. Uh, big box stores, you know, Costco's and everybody, they're able to stay open. So, you know, sometimes sometimes we get our tinfoil hats. Uh, we Where's put, your hat, man? Yeah, I know. I, Damn I, it. I always forget to make it. But, you know, some people look at the, the ramifications and just the policies and some would speculate like, bro, it seems like y'all are purposely trying to smother and shut down all small businesses, the, the restaurant industry. And now what we're seeing with, uh, you know, the unemployment stuff where it's hard to get some of the restaurant workers back to work. So it, it's just this crazy shit show. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's some coordinated scheme to shut down small businesses because I don't give our elected politicians enough credit to be able to pull that off. Right. Like, I don't think that they're intelligent enough to coordinate or organize enough. This, yeah. Or, or Yeah. To or, secretly to execute a plan like this. I mean, have you ever been to the DMV? Mm. These guys can't manage their way out of a paper bag. So, the, the, you know, what I think it is, is that they don't care. Right. There's an apathetic indifference to these small business owners because who are they? OK, five people, 10 people, 20 people in their minds. Right. 500 times over. Right. So if I've got five business owners that I'm hurting that don't know anything now, if I target an Amazon or, or, or a big box corporation, now it's like I got to deal with the board of trustees. I got to deal with Bob, who's one of my lobby, lobbyists or mm -hmm. one of my campaign donors. I'm dealing with corporate America has merged with the government. So now I'm dealing with the elite mm -hmm. and they don't want to deal with the elite. So it's much easier to just take out the low lying fruit, which are these uh, unprotected small business owners without cash on the balance sheet. They don't have a legal team. And that gives these governors the opportunity and these elected officials to say, oh, look at these tough decisions I had to make. I didn't want to do this. This hurts me. But we've put a fund together now to give these small businesses $10 million and blah, 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 mm -hmm. based upon these strings. Oh, and you got to vote for me. See, I made this tough decision and it was so hard, yeah. but I rectified it and I saved lives because of it. We're bait. Right. Like mm -hmm. we're the bait, mm -hmm. the low line fruit. Mm -hmm. They could never do that with the big corporations because they wouldn't allow it. You think so? Considering how much money, especially let's say California, a lot of the revenue for that state comes from small businesses, from restaurants. And even knowing that we, we still don't have an actual idea of why they would just not care as much. Right. Well, because they knew that they were going to be able to get federal funding, which they did. And now they're sitting on a budget surplus, which they're using as a talking point to say that Newsom runs the state so well, he's sitting on a budget surplus. But the budget surplus is federal money, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, 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 it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And the other piece of it is that now he's increasing taxes around the horn, right? So these taxes, and don't get me wrong, like Silicon Valley and a lot of those venture capital firms, a lot of those big businesses that did reap benefits through this pandemic, they are paying a higher share of taxes by virtue of that at the at the you know at the um, expense of small business. But still, it's a drop in the bucket for them. Newsom gets that money, and then increasing taxes. He talks about this budget surplus. That's to me not a you should not brag about a budget surplus in the middle of a pandemic. If there's, if you're sitting on $50 billion, then why the heck aren't you giving $50 billion out to the small businesses mm -hmm. that you just crushed to the families that you just put on the streets? Homelessness is running rampant. I mean, it's disgusting out here mm -hmm. and you're t bragging about a $50 billion surplus and everybody's like, great job. Great job. Yeah. And meanwhile, French laundry, the restaurant got a nice little kickback uh what do they call that when they uh cut them a check what was it 2.7 million or something like that what? yeah yeah they got they got they got immediate uh funding from ppp newsom's wineries did is it not coincidental too that the county that newsom's wineries are in never had to face the strict restrictions uh that mm. all the other counties did they never did they they had some restrictions but they were always in one of those better tiers just coincidentally dude and he during during the 4th of July. Right. So I talk about, you know, in California, coastal restaurants are our, our uh, Black Friday where we go from red to black is 4th of July week. Right. Everybody. It kicks off the summer in 4th of July because you have, you know, I don't know if you know California, but you got June gloom. 
like June is the worst month. It's just 60 degrees and cloudy all the time. Then July kicks in and that really kicks off summer in California. Everybody comes to the beaches, summer goes off. So we were so pumped about 4th of July this year because we were like, okay, finally we can hire, we can staff, we can do everything we need to do. Wednesday before the 4th of July, we purchased all of our inventory, all of our restaurants along the coast, double staffed, giving everybody the hours that they wanted. On the Wednesday of 4th of July, Newsom's like, oh, I'm shutting down the public beaches. Beaches, outdoor beaches, okay? Shuts down public beaches. His wineries are open, yeah. all right? We get totally crushed. We have to shut down. We lose all the product. I paid the team members because I'm not going to screw them over, right? Monday morning, he reopens the beaches. Mm, mm, mm. What? Yeah, see, it, it's stuff like that where it goes from... Hey guys, we're just trying to say one life saved is worth yeah. it. Not not factoring in the balance of, hey man, these are people's livelihoods. Like what who's gonna measure the long-term deaths and low quality of life due to you wiping out a whole industry? So that right there is a fuck move. Yeah. That is a fuck boy move to to shut it down for to to kill Fourth of July. Now um, our current president, uh, he doesn't sound like he wants us to have a very lively 4th of July. Therefore, me and my little nuclear family <laughs> are going to go all out. Um, so speaking of restaurants, Newsom and shutdowns, one of the counties where Fresno, I guess where Fresno is, um, he had it set to red or some shit. And then him and, you know, many people's favorite comedian, George Lopez, were out there shooting a little PSA. And uh, we sometimes give Lopez a hard time on this show. Yes. <laughs> because, With good reason. Because he goes so hard for, for uh, politicians that, that are pro-lockdown. We're anti-lockdown like that. So I wonder if they got a kickback, the Fresno restaurant. Oh, that's interesting. We should look into that. Well, he was there to give them a check. Mm. Oh. He was at that restaurant. So it wasn't just a TikTok that they were doing. Yeah, to publicize this new small business relief program. And they were giving them a check. Mind you, nobody was wearing masks. They were eating indoors. Like, who on his PR team thinks this is a good idea? And then I posted that up. I posted all those videos up of the pictures of him and Lopez without the masks on and doing all their grab ass and what have you. <laughs> and I got completely wrecked on social. Totally wrecked on social. Like uh, The people went to defend him, huh? It's the whataboutism, you know? I mean, it's like, but, 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 but. I mean, nobody will accept a loss, right? Like I'm the first to admit when I screw up, I'm the first to admit when somebody who I kind of throw my support behind screws up, like that's called being real, authentic, being human. Nobody wants to do that nowadays. And I talk about that during the pandemic, right? Sports totally shut down. And you know what I noticed? Everybody who used to be into sports suddenly turned into a, like an armchair political scientist knew nothing about politics before, but they picked their side and they started throwing their support behind a politician or a party like they would a sports team. So, you know, it's like, remember when Michael Vick got busted for all like, you know, the, the dog fights and everything, mm -hmm. every Falcons fan was like, who cares? Vick's a good guy. He was beaten as a kid. And like, right. All these excuses, because you want that Vick name on the back of your Jersey. Like you're mm -hmm. going to stick up for this person, no matter what. And I love it, man. I love that. Like loyalty. We're doing that now with politics. So like Pelosi goes out and gets her hair cut and, you know, whips her hairdresser in public and this and that. And everybody's like, what do you mean? Hello, Pelosi can't get her hair cut. She's an important lady. Like she can break the rules. It's like she's the Michael Vick of the of the political world or 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 use any name. Right. Yeah. How many times have I not said that about politics and sports? Like for months, yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. saying that that's exactly what it is. And it, it's, it's yeah. real bizarre, man. It's real crazy. People do pick their sides. When it comes to you and starting, since we're talking about social media, how, what what came over you that you decided to be as outspoken as you were when those first couple of videos went viral? Well, I started speaking out about this right when the lockdown occurred. Going into the going into the pandemic, I was like, I always told my wife, I'm like, you got to make sure I remain apolitical. Like, it's <laughs> just not good for business. It's not good for this. What what have you? Like, and I always tried to get involved by virtue of like food politics and food policy. I think that's a great vehicle through which you can actually bring sides together is through food. And when you look into food, the libertarian food system is one that I think is going to benefit everybody's health, et cetera. Another issue for another day. But Finally, when, when the lockdowns occurred, I sent a tweet out way back in April and I was like, hey, I just don't understand why business owners can't support 
a safe reopening and also take this pandemic seriously. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Grandma killer, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Tweet goes viral. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the game everybody wants to play. I'll play this intellectual game of ping pong with all these morons. <laughs> and uh, it, it just parlayed. And then I still kept my mouth shut, but it was that, that shut down on outdoor dining that I just lost it. And I was sitting here with the kids in the house and, and I got the notice and I'm like, Lauren, grab my phone. This is my wife. I'm like, just, just, I got to get this. I got to get this rant out, you know, no take, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just videotaped it. And then that's when everyone was calling me an asshole. They're like, you're an asshole for wanting to open. And that's where I ended it. And I was like, I'm not the asshole. Newsom's the asshole. And mm-hmm. then of course that headline was what everybody grabbed. And they're like, chef, celebrity chef calls Gavin Newsom an asshole. Ah, oh, that's yeah. so funny. Far right. Yeah. Uh, culinary. <laughs> culinary. Yeah, culinary. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, that's, that's good. That's, that, that's you can have that one. Laugh. Hey, Rob's on fire this morning. I am, sorry. So um, I know you have restaurants uh, and franchises and things across the country. Do you have anything in Houston we can support? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're opening in Houston. So we partnered with Mac Hike um, he, out there. He's our... Uh, franchise partner and investment partner too as of recent so uh i don't know if you know mac hike who doesn't know mac hike? oh yeah mac yeah. hike chevrolet oh yeah yeah so he's mine he's now my it's him and i he's my partner in this business um what, is it gonna and, be a slapfish uh, what's that is it a slapfish yeah for slapfish so oh, we're gonna be dope. opening in houston in the next year or so we're gonna go hard in houston um so we're we've stopped franchising and now we're doing kind of regional development so we're gonna really build out the houston market build out the Phoenix, Arizona market and, and then the SoCal market. It's going to be kind of that like region. Well, I'm making a prediction here. It's going to be gangbusters. Hell yeah. Uh, Slapfish Houston is going to be, uh, mark my words. It's going to be like, what the hell? (laughs) So, um, I I love that you have a history with food trucks that that you started with uh, food trucks and, uh, Houston's a big food truck town. And uh, hey, just throwing it out there, man. Maybe we'll do lobster rolls and tamales or something. Ooh, <laughs> lobster roll and tamales. I love. I'll tell you what. We uh, so I, I really want to open a taqueria out here. All all the guys who have been with me for years, it's like we basically are running a little taqueria out of the back of the restaurant. And uh, every year we do lobster tamales. Oh, oh wow! Shit. And then we also do like these crispy deep fried lobster tamales. You, 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 we can't, we, I don't mean to bastardize it, but they're really good. But lobster separate and tamale, just lobster rolls and tamales. Let me know when. Let's do it. Hey, that's a hey, great idea. So, uh, my touring was not that great in 2020. So, let me get some capital going again. Uh, <laughs> Try to get some of these STEMI checks and uh, some of this unemployment, <laughs> and I'll definitely get back to you. Maybe we'll start with a cart instead. Got to tap into that safe moon, man. Into That's the who? Funny. Tap into the what? Into safe moon. Was that a uh, crypto? Yeah, I'm joking around <laughs> with all these new cryptos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah. the moon. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a laggard on that on that front. But yeah, we're excited about Slapfish coming to Houston. Speaking of restaurants, not to interrupt you, are you gonna when you talk about a, a taqueria? Are you talking about in California? Like, are you willing to do more business in California? I mean, yeah, Orange County is not a horrible area, and um, I'll, I'll probably be driven out of California at some point. To be honest with you, they've already hit me five days after when I went on my Newsom rant. I got smashed with a complaint by the labor commission on every single business I own. They said it was a labor complaint and they named businesses that are management companies that have no, no employees. Then they proceeded to uh, subpoena three years of my records, all my labor, payroll, bank accounts, everything. I provided all of that. I had to get an attorney. I had to fight all of this since they couldn't find anything there. Then they sent letters to every single person I've employed for three years. That's thousands of people across, right? 10 businesses, three years. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Asking all the employees with a questionnaire, have they ever done anything wrong to you? Have they ever mispaid you? Have they ever missed overtime, et cetera, et cetera. They're on this massive fishing expedition to take me down. So who knows where I'm going to end up? And see, that's the type of stuff, Rob, yeah, man. I be talking about. See, to me, that goes beyond a little bit of incompetence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just want to save a life. You know, one life saved is, is what we're going after. I don't know, man. That That's one thing. I It really rubs me the wrong way. And you're going to see that from more states. Like, you know, I, I don't want to call them all out because there's tons of them. But uh, Whitmer is one of them, I believe, in Michigan. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of other governors that really, the light's going to be on them. And you're going to see what kind of evil shit they're trying to pull on some of the, like gyms and restaurants and small businesses. What, what state is that, Whitmer? I believe it's Michigan, right, Chef? Michigan, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah She's yeah. bad. She's yeah. bad. 
And all of these, all she's the one who who tried to basically commandeer like a private ship for her own vacation when she was shutting everybody else down. They're all hypocrites. They're all elitists. I mean, it's and and they look at this as like you you if you overstep your boundaries, we will take you out. And 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 when you get in those those crosshairs, they will do everything because who cares, right? I'm I've I've racked up seventy thousand dollars in legal fees right now. Mm. Nobody's who's going to pay for that. I can't go back. It's not a lawsuit in the sense that I can now go after legal fees because this is just ordinary everyday business for the government. Mm. Damn. So they can just bury me in red tape, and that's what they try and do. You speak out against this is communist shit here, right? Mm-hmm. Like you speak out against the state. It's just a little bit more nuanced. It's like communist light mm. or American Marxism. Yeah, that's why, I mean, as amazing California is, the people, um, you know, everything about California is great, except for that, the government and the shit that they do. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I know Orange County and Huntington Beach is different than L.A. County and all that. But, um, man, with the amount of pressure they're trying to put on you and your family, I'd get the hell out of Dodge, bro. Yeah. I know we're we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, we might be neighbors because, um, t- like I said, Texas has a friendlier business climate. Uh, you have a hell of a partner with Mac Hike, and we love to eat. <laughs> and everybody that listens to this show loves to eat good yeah, food. We love to eat, and we love to support um, everything that you're doing. Shift gears real quick because I know you're a highly effective person. I mean, for you to juggle so much and you have a family, what are some of the routines and habits that that you do that keep that keep everything uh, in order. I mean, I, look, I'm all, I'm constantly working out. I use work to work out too. Like so, you know, some of my routines is just like I, I I don't walk slow. I walk incredibly fast everywhere I go. I'm hands on when I get into the restaurants. I don't loaf. I'm always hands on. So like getting in the line. If I want to learn about what's happening in the kitchen, I get online. I hop on pantry. I hop on grill. I work a few hours on the line. That's the easiest way to know. I don't do this kind of like general audit, but most importantly, just surround myself with good people. I like to surround myself with young, inexperienced workers who learn the right way um, because there's no egos involved. And I love giving people opportunities. Heck right now, my, my area director of operation who's making significant amount of money. I mean, money he never imagined that he would be able to make. He's only 20 years old, started with me as a uh, dishwasher and counter sales guy. Brilliant, brilliant kid, just constantly overlooked because he's socially awkward. He's my right hand right now. Kid's 20 years old. The guy can do anything. And there's millions of stories like that within our organization, not millions, tons of stories within our organization. So that's the key. Your team, you know, motivated team, uh, taking care of your team members and then wife and kids, man, you are a family run organization. My kids are back here. They're going to come with me to work today. They're going to wash dishes, pick herbs, um, you know, do their homework along the way. So when we're working, it's seven days a week, you know, but, but it's part of our, it's part of our life, right? Like when you're a business owner, everybody's like, Oh, you got to separate life from work, et cetera. When it's part of your life and you enjoy it, you can have fun and you need definitely take off. Of course mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but uh, actually, we're hitting the road for a two-week uh, RV trip here. I'm going to be documenting all of our RV eats uh, uh, in a couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, like food is our life. Um, doing this is what we love to do. That's cool. Uh, uh, don't. What are some links for uh, donation links and and all the giving back? Tell us about all the give back you do. Yeah, yeah. So so eighty six the number struggle That's the website that we use to raise funds. We're giving it to struggling out of work restaurant workers, retail owners, small business owners, food truck owners, etc. You name it. And uh, I overheard a uh, well, I overheard. I heard you tell a story about uh, you and your wife physically going to pay people's rent and and hand delivering checks uh tell us about that experience well when we started raising all this funds right like we would get like fifty thousand dollars in a day at times and uh when it was really on heavy that was probably our big, biggest day but we we got in 50 we're like we we've got 50 to 100 people to give the money out to so we're, we've got to be as fast as possible we crashed out venmo zelle cash app they've all got like five thousand dollar limits so eventually we were just like screw it we all got in the car we started writing checks driving around southern california paying landlords paying business owners paying people's rent utilities you name it damn with everything that's going on in you know political climate uh the restaurant industry and and people's fear levels and you know things are slowly opening up where do you anticipate where where do we head from here what, what what's the future hold 
Um, look, I think that there's going to be a, there's going to need to be a huge move on behalf of the small business owners to just continue modeling good behavior, pushing back against a lot of the propaganda, um, serving a good product. I think people need to really limit what they do, do one thing really, really well. Uh, we're going to have to continue. We're going to have to continue to pay our workers more money because I think that's part of the national conversation. But I think we need to do so in understanding that that comes with the need to decrease payroll taxes. Right. So there's got to be a quid pro quo with the government. And that's that's something that needs to be lobbied on behalf of the small business owners. You know, if we lose three percent to the bottom line, which is our net profit by increasing wages, which we should do anyway, then we should also gain 3% back by cutting payroll taxes. So it's a net zero for the business, a benefit for the workers, and it, and it, and it precludes the businesses from needing to increase their prices. So now you can continue to stimulate the local economy by having people come in once more a week or what have you, because the prices aren't too high, right? Mm-hmm. See how this is a wholesale, wholesale approach. Um, so those are the types of conversations we have to start having, but I do think it's going to be a real slow ramp up. I worry about inflation. I think everybody should probably, uh, you know, don't, don't go crazy when they're spending money right now because, um, you know, uh, saving and investing in the right businesses is the right move. Real talk. Yeah. Since we're talking about investing, actually, what, what are you, cause you made the, the crypto <laughs> joke earlier. What are you seriously looking at as a way to hedge, uh, where the inflation's going? Yeah, crypto. Crypto is huge right now. I think that's big. I think looking at, um, you know, um, look, renewable energy, of course, is always big. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I think gas prices are going to continue to skyrocket. So I think investing in gas, oil, um, you know, funds along those lines right now are big ETFs. I still really like QQQ. Uh, that's a good one. Look, I've got, you know, I, but I think at the end of the day, I don't like to invest in the stock market. I don't like to invest you know, crypto is fun to play with. I like to invest in small businesses, right? So like, I'd be much happier giving any of my savings to like a small business owner or a food truck owner. If I lose that money, the way I look at it is that's a tax write-off, right? If I lose $5,000, that's $5,000 less I have to pay on taxes at the end of the year, but I get, just gave somebody the opportunity to build a business, right? That's more important than just giving that $5,000 to the government. That's that's really good. That's really good insight for people listening too. What what uh, gets you to that conclusion? Why not play the stock market as much as other people that have that, as many businesses as you do, rather than you know giving it to other small business like people that aspire to it? Well, I, I would I would play like the smaller stocks, but I but like the, the the big blue chips they all they're doing now it's just I don't like their behavior. I don't like the way that they're they're utilizing you know they're driving up stock prices. Um, I, I I think they're way overvalued. I think everything's overvalued right now. I think it's a game of hot potato with a lot of private equity. Um, but but more importantly, I don't think that they have the values of America in mind. They're not the backbone of America anymore. I think that they've merged with the government. And why the heck would I invest in the government? Mm, good point. Real talk. Uh, you got any other questions, Rob? Yeah. Well, when you talk about uh, small businesses again, what did you? Is Texas or is Houston going to be the first one that you have here in Texas, or do you have other yep. restaurants? Yep. Yep. It'll be the first one. So why Houston, if you don't mind us asking? Well, just by virtue of the connection with Mac. And, and because of that, I've now like fallen in love with Houston. This deal, We've been with them for a couple of years now. So I've been in and out of Houston a ton. Next time I'm out, we got to hang out. Hell yeah. Yeah. I heard on Michael Berry's podcast, he said, um, he said he wants to have you over at his crib and invite some, some special people. And I know he was talking about me when he, <laughs> when he said special people. Yeah. When, when you talk about those. That, you know, when he finds out we're part of the same prep school circuit, you know. Uh, yeah. He's, no, he gives me a hard time about that. So, uh. Let's not let's not remind him. <laughs> uh, Man, I still remember going to Petty all the time for sports. I still I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a um, it's a crazy thing. Like anytime I hear anybody's from Jersey, I always like man, you know, what exit off the turnpike or are you near Freehold Mall? You know, just like yeah. random stuff like that. Uh, there's always you, that. Did you ever get up to Pingree up in Martinsville, Bernardsville area? No. Mm-mm. I just remember by like Wardlaw. You let's see. You guys probably played like Wardlaw, Hart, Hartridge. We we played a uh, Blair, Lawrence, Blair, yep. Lawrenceville. Yep, Lawrenceville Prep. I know all those. Yep, yep. Yeah, those are the main ones I could remember off the top of my head. Yeah, because you guys were a little bit more down south, but. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, "Who are you, Chingo Bling?" Hey, man, look, I am Mister. They can't deport us all. <laughs> uh, I was never really political, but hey, just like Chef, um, sometimes you know situations make it to where you can't stay silent forever and that is part of what you know i want to thank you for for all the things you do in terms of whether it's food uh, a lit twitter feed with uh, with amazing photos um 
a lot of good information that you give on podcasts like you know sauce is boss and you got to let your sauces contrast and all this beautiful stuff but you know the giving back and adding to the to the conversation and giving you know giving your perspective as as a business owner who understands you know the the whole supply chain and understands things from from the grassroots up so that to me is like one of the the dopest things of, of all the stuff that, that you do and please Thank continue. You. Yeah. Please continue to do that. Uh, we look forward to Slapfish coming to Houston. It's going to be ridiculous when, when the, whether it's a soft opening or grand opening, um, you know, trust me, it's going to be crazy.